Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Did you, America? Hello there. Welcome to another Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Ian Canfield. We are in season two, episode... Oh, just so many. Now, I know last time we told you that uh, the time before last, we had some microphone issues and we apologized for the bad sound quality and said that everything was fixed on the prior episode. We might have lied. Yeah, it got worse. (laughs) No, I think it got slightly better. It didn't get better to the extent that we fixed the problem. My spin for this would be, I believe the previous episode had a kind of echo on our microphones. So it sounded like we'd become one of those podcasts that had reached the level of success where people want to see us do it live. And judging by the level of echo that there was on the episode, we were absolutely live performing to a stadium-sized crowd. What sucks is, you know, I'm, as we've discussed before, am a newfound tech genius, and I'm forced to do this podcast with you, a tech idiot, and somehow it's, the the lines are clashing, you know, and I'm not able to do my full potential, and what really sucks is we're now recording this third podcast in a row, and these might be technical issues as well right now, and we're telling you they're fixed. Let me readdress this. I brought you into this podcast to be A, the younger millennial, and B, the person who was born and bred in Dallas, who has lived in Texas for all of his life, apart from, what, three years in Arizona? Right. And you're almost 30, Yeah. so you would be because we have a built-in Texas audience because of my radio history, the local Texan and the millennial who understands tech. I have never met a millennial who understands less tech than you. And as we've said before on this podcast, when it comes to things in DFW, you don't know where anything is. I'll ask you where specific areas are, like the, like Oak Cliff or Oak Lawn. That's or my hood. Where, where's the Reunion Tower? And you go... Uh, it's I, somewhere I, in Dallas. I've never never met anyone who's lived somewhere for almost their entire life which is almost 30 years now and they don't know where anything and i'm not talking about like a lack of sense of direction i got lost finding my car in the parking lot when i went up to pick up a friend at the airport last week i've got no sense of direction either lots of people have no sense of direction you've lived somewhere for nearly 30 years and yet neighborhood to neighborhood you don't know where anything is and whose fault is that you should have done a little bit of research you should have known that you weren't getting any of those things you were getting a pothead that took seven (laughs) years to graduate a four-year college program in in, in 18 months of me living in dfw the only location thing that you've managed to confirm to me is things are a bit sketchy by the zoo that's (laughs) that's that's literally the only bit of authority you've been on anywhere in dfw there's also two zoos and i couldn't tell you the difference of where either are (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's just i can tell you both are in bad areas Something about zebras. Now, before we move on from the, the this is why I haven't figured out the uh, the, the t- technical issues with this podcast. In fact, I'm going to turn myself down a bit. Hang on, talk amongst yourselves because um, I've. Um... How's it going, all the people listening to this? Yeah, I. Uh... I think I was a little bit loud there. Now I've turned myself down. Well, so now this is something that confuses me, right? So I've tried to get to grips with why we've got these mic issues. And th- what we definitely know is that we record this at my, on my dining room table. And the worst thing that I can do is decide to clean. Yes. Because we had perfect sound quality when I just left the microphone set up on the dining room table and moved nothing. And yet two weeks ago, because I decided I was going to clean, all I did was put the microphones away in a cupboard so I could clean the table and the surrounding area. And then and since then, the sound quality's been shit. With that, you basically cancelled us forever. So, like, I'm... But I'm looking at this microphone that I use, right? And there are four different settings on this microphone. And two of them are 
Tight stereo and wide stereo. What the fuck does that mean? No one knows. I also like, with the way it's set up, there's no way of telling what's the front of the microphone and what's the back of the microphone. That is also confusing, especially as the other two. So these are the four settings, right? You do raise a valid point here. So you can have wide stereo, tight stereo, front and back, or just front. First of all, who wants the front and the back of the microphone working at the same time? Secondly, it's all very well saying front and back, because I guess that depends on which way round you want the microphone, but only if you label the mic as to what is the front and what is the back. And to my original point, what the fuck is tight stereo or wide stereo? If we called Mutt Langer, Nile Rogers, I need a third project, Quincy Jones. That's one. Any right, any any experienced producer and said, uh, "What's tight stereo or wide stereo?" They'd be like, "No idea." You know what the move might be? We go front to back on the mic, but then instead of using two different mics, we just use that one and we do like the rock star move where we talk into the same microphone real close to each other. <laughs> you ready to get real intimate on Did You America? <laughs> If we were going to go do desert sessions with Josh Homme, and I said, hey, Josh, for this desert session, I'd like tight stereo. He'd be, how fucking high are you? You only just arrived. What are you talking about? I'm definitely going to like write down all these words and use them just to confuse people, to make them think that I know something about radio that they don't. Like when the... When, you know, tight stereo. When the... <laughs> when when he produced the Arctic Monkeys album, uh, Alex Turner says to Josh Homme, "Yeah, well, you know what we really want on Humbug is wide stereo. <laughs> I think that's the, that's going to be the thing that's going to take us to the next level." Well, now we know what causes echo: loose stereo. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully, um, the podcast today uh, will sound a little bit better. Did we did we sound convincing in that we believe that we've solved our sound problem? I mean, and the other thing about solving the sound problem with this with this podcast is it's literally two guys sitting up at a dining room table with two microphones and two laptops. I mean, how hard can it be? What stinks is like we have all these fans who listen to us and they write in and they tell us how much they like us. Well, why don't you buy us a studio already? <laughs> yeah. By the way, we are taking donations of studios. <laughs> it's our podcast maker right. wish foundation. We're not gonna like beg you for money, but if you want. To give us a studio to be fair quite a few people did write in pointing out the echo and some people and i appreciate these people's attention to detail said if it helps i noticed that jeremy's mic sounded worse around the second minute and ian's mic was worse around like the 29th minute or whatever uh, but i did read that feedback and think well if you could just buy us a studio that would be more right, helpful. right just get us a studio could you buy us a studio and rent us josh homie to produce each episode that would work perfectly <laughs> my mom's a dedicated listener i think she's gonna get on this one <laughs> all right um i need to deal with my tv disappointment before we move on any further oh no now you know i've been very invested in the show queen of the south yes which is one of the rare shows that i think lots of other people have been very invested in because it's actually a good show with decent storylines and the final uh series of queen of the south the final season um ended last week and uh, over the weekend just gone i watched the final episode and uh, if you haven't got around to watching it yet i'm not going to give any spoilers away i don't know how long is the politically correct amount of time to wait now before you can start giving spoilers about shows yeah they need to have like a study on that i'm gonna say like a month yeah you know if it's something that's like a new show if it's something that's been in streaming for a while it's probably less time but I think it's safe to go one month. Yeah, I, so I'm not going to give away any spoilers because it's been uh, probably less than a week until the, the, the final um, episodes aired. Now, Queen of the South, I haven't spoken about it a lot on this podcast um, at length because I spend most of my time talking about how much I enjoy the reboots of The Equalizer and Magnum. Right, Queen Latifah's not in this one. No, it's called Queen of the South, but it doesn't have Queen Latifah. Okay, so you guys can just skip this segment. Go on. <laughs> so... Um, but this is, uh, you know, quite a serious TV show. It's about a woman who comes from the background of uh, being involved in the drug world and cartels and ends up running her own cartel and all that kind of stuff. And for the previous, I got into it originally um, because uh, I got into it a few years after it started because it was streaming on Netflix. And some friends of mine said, oh, now you live in Dallas, you'll like this show because the first two seasons, pretty much all of the seasons one and two of Queen of the South were filmed in Dallas. And there were several episodes where I'm watching 
watching it on the TV and going, that's literally outside my front door. They literally drove past my apartment building. Is it also like set in Dallas or would they just use no, locations no, no, to pretend no, no, somewhere no. else? The, fir- the first two seasons are set in Dallas. Okay. So she basically breaks away from um, a big cartel to form her own cartel and she starts in Dallas and then it gets bigger and bigger. But the first two seasons, all in Dallas and not like the old school Dallas TV show that claimed to be Dallas but was all filmed on a, a you know a film lot in, right. in Hollywood Los Angeles yeah absolutely 100% just down the road from where all the homeless live up the street from my apartment there were several scenes where Queen of the South people were driving around my neighborhood right and you know there's were the homeless still there um they, filmed they cleared it from, them out they for filmed, that day. They, yeah, they filmed it from a different angle. <laughs> they said no, they look, had those homeless free cameras. New said, technology is we're, crazy. We're in season two. She's running. It's a small cartel, but she's running a version of her cartel. You're cheapening the look of the cartel. <laughs> right. Move around the corner. <laughs> this ain't the hood. This is the cartel. We have planes and shit. <laughs> exactly. So I got into it then, and for the first four seasons, it's uh, it was great. Like, and I, you know, I do I do enjoy the Equalizer and uh, Magnum reboots, but. If you're going to argue that they're shit TV, really, I wouldn't argue that much back. But the Queen of the South, proper storylines. There's a lot of suspense. There's good acting. There's a good story arc. And it was going and going. And they said ahead of time, we're doing five seasons. This is going to be the last season. So even good once they leave Dallas. Yeah, even good when they leave Dallas. That's hard to to believe. (laughs) Uh, They go into New Orleans and they take over a bit of Chicago and there's some stuff in Arizona. Anyway, so it gets to season five, uh, which is the the last season, and it starts off okay. And then about three into the 10 episode uh, run of the final season, things started to speed up. And it started going like pretty fast. And I'm thinking like, you're losing your way here now. You're kind of scrambling because you've got to finish it. And like I say, I'm not going to give any spoilers. I watched the season, the uh, series finale yesterday. What an absolute fucking piece of shit. Oh, it no. was like, it, it actually went from being this, everything was kind of ridden with tension and there were cliffhangers and great story developments. It basically ended like any given episode of Remington Steel, like where there was just like a like, oh, everyone's happy. Like, just I, I don't want to give anything away in case you haven't seen it. I was like, really? And here's my point on this: Does it get to the point if you work on a TV show, if you're a writer, actor, director, or whatever, and the network goes, all right, we're ten more episodes. You you had a good run, good ratings. You know, five se- five seasons is a lot. Do people that work on TV shows get to the point of being like anyone else in another job where they know that it's ending or they're about to go get a new job and move on and they go, all right, we're done with this now. Just like, I'm not going to put in any effort because it was literally like everyone on that TV show went, okay, it's over. We're not going to make any effort. Maybe the writers, you know, they see all the pressure that other shows have faced with their uh, finales and all the criticism they get and they figured like, all right, you know the best way to not get any of that? Let's just act like it's not a finale. Let's act like it's just like a random season three episode two ending maybe but then i was texting friends of mine who were very invested in queen of the south to see if my uh, take on this was way off they all agreed that it was a very disappointing ending but then a few others jumped in the chat and went but at least it wasn't as disappointing as game of thrones and i never watched game of thrones and i'm thinking my god Thank God I didn't invest in that. You're telling me this shit, this happy fucking might as well have been any final scene in Remington Steel or Moonlighting. I'm just bringing out like trashy 80s TV shows. I I mean, I'm going to go really random here. You can YouTube this one, kids. The final scene of Queen of the South, bearing in mind, there's certain things in Queen of the South that are really gritty and hard hitting. The final scene, I was like, Am I watching Scarecrow and Mrs. King? You don't know that, do you? I get very confused by a lot of the references you make. <laughs> like, right now, all I can think about is, is Remington Steel where the porn star Lexington Steel got his name from? Rem- Did something about Remington Steel also have a big black cock? <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to ask Piers Brosnan. Someone call Lexington Steel. <laughs> Honestly, it was like... Oh, here's the, well, it all ended okay, final two minutes of any Golden Girls episode. That was what, <laughs> that, 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 that was what it was like. And then when friends of mine were jumping on the conversation going, yeah, no, this was a way better end than Game of Thrones, I thought, hang on, I thought that was 
the biggest end-all of end-all TV shows with, you know, different characters that could be killed off at any point and great writing and great acting. Are you telling me that that TV show you just invested in the incest and genital <laughs> mutilation and then when they were like, Jesus, we can't have any more brothers and sisters fuck right. <laughs> and we've chopped off so many penises at this point, we're just going to... because. If the again, I'm not going to give it away. But if the end of Queen of the South was more rewarding than the end of Game of Thrones, I'm genuinely shocked. You know what really sucks is not even about the ending and how disappointing that was. You know, everyone in 2021, the only reason we watch TV or movies that other people don't watch is so we can brag and tell them like, "Oh my God, you have to watch this show. Right, right, you right. would love this movie." And now, you know, not everyone watched Queen of the South. I'm sure it was a great show, but it was. Game of Thrones right. level popularity. Now you're gonna feel weird recommending. Where are you gonna say like, "Oh my god, it was the best show ever," but the ending fucking sucks. No, no one's gonna watch it then. No one's ever gonna take your recommendation. And then if you don't tell them, give them that little disclaimer, they're gonna be like, "Canfield's recommendations suck. The end of this was horrible. He didn't warn me." Well, I mean, anyone who's listened to this podcast and has checked out the reboots of Magnum and the Equalizer probably think my recommendations suck anyway. Of course. <laughs> but this one, this was like a genuine show. So now I'm thinking, all that time I invested in this, and I've been watching. Um, I discovered Startup on Netflix. Have you seen that? No. It's got someone who was in um, The O.C. And do you know Martin Freeman from the, the British version of The Office? Yes. Right. He's playing, with a great accent, a psychopath, really dark FBI agent in this show that's pretty dark. And that's kind of like rumbling along. All right. Uh, but now I've got the fear about that because Queen of the South has let me down so long, because so much, because I've got like, um, it's just started season two and there's three seasons of Startup. And I'm thinking, are we going to get to the end of Startup? And I'm going to be expecting B. Arthur to walk in and go, oh, well, it was all fine in the end, wasn't it? You know what's even worse? You've been talking about Queen of the South for so long. I didn't know it was ending. I was thinking maybe eventually I'd pick it up. Not only am I not watching that, I'm not even going to watch Startup. <laughs> Your recommendations are terrible now. They're tainted. Your opinion has been tainted. Yeah, yeah. I'm very disappointed with that. So that was what I did over the weekend. Got let down by Queen of the South. It's horrible. You did. Oh. Um, I had a pretty fun weekend, actually. I, I think I found my new career. This is going to seem a little bit odd, and it might seem like, oh, he's making a joke, but I'm serious. I think I'm going to become a pimp. Right. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, it's, it's hard work. It's not anything to joke around about, you know, it's... It ain't easy, but it's necessary, as some might say. Are you quoting rap songs I am now? quoting rap songs there, <laughs> yes. So uh, I, I, I went to uh, a bar on Saturday night to watch the UFC fight with some friends. Mm. Uh, for anyone familiar with DFW, uh, we went to a bar called The Backyard. It's right next to this bar, Bottle Blonde. And Bottle Blonde is one of those bars where it's like, you know, the... The bartenders are real attractive girls, basically wearing nothing. You know, people dress up nice, get bottle service, try to show off and act like they're millionaires when they probably actually only make like 30 grand a year. It's like the uh, high-end uh, Texas version of Hooters. Exactly. So we watched the fight. We went there. Um, one of my friends happens to know a bouncer at Bottle Blonde, so we slipped over. And when you go to a bar like that, it's not a... It, you kind of have to get blackout drunk. Like, you just feel like an idiot, and you're like, why am I even here if you're not, like, joining in on the debauchery? Uh. So I uh, I definitely hit a level of obnoxious drunk. And, you know, I, uh, I do certain things when I get to this level of drunk that some might find annoying, but I find absolutely hilarious. Right. Is, is this going to be the bit where you start? Well, so I found some hookers and decided that I could run their business <laughs> oh, way, way better than, than, wait. than their current pimp. So, you know, a lot of times at these bars, um, you know, I'll overhear guys like talking about a girl like, oh, my God, she's so hot. Ooh, look at that ass. And my favorite thing to do is to go up and I'll, I'll join in on the conversation like, oh, my God, yeah, that girl's so hot. Yeah, she, she's my sister. And usually they 
they at first get like, oh, dude, I, I, no, I didn't mean no offense, no offense. And then I make it even weirder by saying like, no, 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 we're so proud of her. She's fucking hot as shit. I love her. <laughs> right. I jerk off to her all the time. Just, you know, real like weirding it up. And, you know, when you do that to a drunk person, their reaction is usually pretty priceless. And I love it. Okay. So I kind jerking, of jerking off to your sister. It's today's episode of Cock Talk. Right, exactly. I, you know, I had to bring it back to Cock Talk. <laughs> I always do. So, like I said, I... I hit obnoxious drunk, and on the way out of the bar, like, I, I now realize I'm at this level. Like, I'm doing all the things, you know, a group of girls asked me to take a picture of them. I did the classic move where I zoom in on one of them. I did, like, a five-minute photo shoot. They're thinking they're getting this group shot of all these angles. It's just on one girl. You're just admiring the hottest one. Exactly. Yeah, zoomed in fully on her boobs. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but right, there it yeah. is. So, I on the way out, I'm, like, at, jumping into random conversations that don't involve me. I saw the, this guy and this girl. They were all close into to each other's face the guy was clearly trying to kiss her the girl you can kind of tell was trying to push her away i jammed their faces together made them made out it was a it was a fun night for me and then i hear these guys talking about these hot girls and i could have done my sister bit but you know after doing that for three years now it's kind of played out so i think up of new one and so as they're saying like oh look at that girl oh look at that girl i kind of walk up by them i'm like yo which one you want tonight they all working for me <laughs> So now the guy's like, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, no, no, I'm serious. What you trying to spend? Pick a girl. I got you, bro. I'll deliver her to you. What you need? I got all these girls. I got all these girls. So now, like, this scrawny, white, fratty-looking dude is very intrigued. His face has gone from, like, ha, 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 to, like, oh, shit. Like, we about to get a, a hooker tonight. And, you know, we start talking. We, you know, I go into sales mode now. I'm like, all right, bro, like, how much are you trying to spend? I get you this one for an hour. This, I'm pointing to random girls. There are so many signs that I'm not a pimp. I'm doing this right in front of a group of cops. There's, there's 0% chance that every single girl in this bar, we were leaving at 2 a.m., so the whole bar was leaving at once. Is every girl in this bar a hooker that works for me? According to this guy, it was. When Queen of the South was still good, that did happen in season well, two. It, it was in Dallas. <laughs> this is the story of my life, apparently. The other thing is, is like, look at me. My Judaism screams everything but pimp. Right. There's like the one profession. You, accountant, yes. Pimp, no. So... Now we've we've discussed a little bit, and he he picks his girl. What, uh, what rate did you get him up to? Well, he 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 picked this girl that was she was a little bit thick, kind of on the uh, the range of hefty, right? A black do girl, you, which do, was a little do, the size of her was a little odd for this scrawny little white dude. But right. I was about it. So he he had two hundred dollars for two hours, right? And now like cash, yeah, of course, right? What I'm gonna I'm gonna take credit card for illegal dealings? <laughs> I don't know. Go on. So now like it's the moment of truth. He's like smiling. He's fumbling for his cash, and I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, like, I'm, my night is paid for. This is incredible. Like, I'm so good at this. I need to be doing this more often. I got, you know, I got the devil on my shoulder. He's telling me, take that money. You're awesome. You're going to start a whole, you're going to quit your job tomorrow. You're going to get a bunch of hoes. You're going to be pimping, like, pimping, pimping, and pimping they ever been before. I'm going to be doing all the, all the terminologies, all the craziness. I'm going to have a fur coat, a hat. I'm going to look fucking awesome. You're going to be like Fat Walter Becker. In no, a fur coat. Fat white Snoop Dogg. <laughs> right, okay. So now I, but then, you know, with the devil on your shoulder always comes the I've angel. I've just got this vision of you, like, getting out of a pimp mobile in the fur coat. Do it again by Steely Dan's playing and you're just waltzing <laughs> we, uh, into some downtown sketchy bar. We've also talked about how, me and you how I'm looking for a new car right now for a solid three months the only thing I was looking for was a Cadillac Coupe de Ville that has hydraulics <laughs> and just like hops up and down down the street. I would pay an ungodly I will give you my life savings for that car. I just think the idea of taking your fat Walter Becker look with Steely Dan as the soundtrack, so it's not, you know, anything by... by, by Pippin is by dirty Snoop, work. Right, right, right. By Snoop Dogg. Is by taking a sort of somewhat traditional pimp setting, but putting it in soundtrack to Steely Dan, with you looking like a really Jewish fat water becker in your fur coat, this, walking into a bar. You think it's odd? This is what my life has been leading up to. When I was 13 and I was to be... Come a man in the Jewish faith and get bar mitzvahed. I wore an 
all-white suit. I'm talking white jacket, white buttoned-up vest, white pants. I had a watch that had a little spinner wheel on it. I was made to become a pimp. Okay, so you're at the bar. You're about to take 200 cash for two hours and then <laughs> with I just, a slightly thick-set lady who's got no idea that this is going on. As someone who quite often has left the bar alone on many nights and has thought about, well, I would just give anything to have sex right now. I, I looked at this guy and I, I, saw, I saw the disappointment in myself. What would have happened if I, if I fell for this trap and gave $200 and no girl ever showed up? So at that point, I, I let him in on the joke, let him know I was kidding. He was like, oh, I knew it. I knew it the whole time he was, as he was putting away his $200. <laughs> and I, I decided that tonight, this isn't the job for me. But, but in the future, if this podcast doesn't work out and one of our male listeners finds himself alone one night, give me a call. You never know what'll happen. It's, uh, it shows the difference between you and I because I too found something this weekend that I thought could be my new career, but I found it in Bed Bath & Beyond. Oh my God. <laughs> they That's have the pimps thing. at Bed Bath & Beyond? That's the sound of Jeremy choking on his water. <laughs> You know, I was, um, I went there because uh, I needed to get some stuff. Uh, by the way, Bed Bath & Beyond, it, the, the, the equivalent stores in Shitsville, I would never, ever, ever, ever have gone into. I always just would have shopped online because I hate them. But in Bed Bath & Beyond, everyone's so helpful. I've also found that if you go in there, look lost and have my accent, a member of staff <laughs> will come up to you and they'll literally become like your personal shopper. Right. I'll just go like, oh... Uh, Hello, ma'am. I'm uh, looking for some whatever it is, and then they go find it for you, and it's just beautiful. So uh, it's also the the only place I've seen a member of staff, not a shopper, but a member of staff behind a checkout working with a don't mess with Texas face mask. So I've always had that kind of affinity with Bed Bath & Beyond. That's a plus. I went in there this weekend, and the first thing that struck me was they were playing Eye in the Sky by the Alan Parsons Projects, and I'm like, oh my God. Like my shopping experience for new bedclothes couldn't be any better, they're playing Yacht Rock. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm enjoying it. And Pr then, Further proof that that's your happiest place on, on Earth. Oh, it gets better. And then, out of Eye in the Sky by Alan Parsons, they went into a Steely Dan song, and I thought to myself, this is Yacht Rock Radio. And then just as I was turning a corner... Is this you telling us that you got a job programming the music at Bed Bath & Beyond? No, it gets better. It gets better. As I was turning the corner, because in my head I'm thinking, maybe I should run Bed Bath & Beyond Radio. Because <laughs> like, just based on these two songs... Right. I, I mean, if Kenny G is next, then I'm... Either that I'm, or I'm, Iron Maiden. I, that, no, 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 no. They don't fit Bed Bath & Beyond. We're doing the Yacht Rock mix. You don't ever want to have like, like a I, candle mosh pit? I was going to... I was going to... Like, if, if, if you got uh, Eye in the Sky by Alan Parsons Project followed by a Steely Dan song, if the third song isn't Hazard by Richard Marks, I was going to go, <laughs> get me the manager. There's a problem with your music mix and I'm here to fix it right well as i said this is the difference between you and i you decided you play fake pimp to a guy who thought he was going to get his cock sucked i'm in bed bath and beyond about to go i've got some suggestions about the music mix and that's actually the difference between me and you i don't see a difference between those two things so anyway it gets better as i'm turning the corner thinking don't let me down with the third song after the Steely Dan track. It better be Hazard by Richard Marks. Suddenly, I see, and I'm guessing that they don't have this all year round. This might, might be because they're approaching uh, 4th of July. They've got a cushions display in the corner of Bed Bath & Beyond, right? Cushions that say USA uh, in different colors, and then just a bunch of red, white, and blue cushions on them uh, that just say on them, freedom. Oh, yes. And I thought to myself... This is my new job. I'm going to program Yacht Rock and between the Alan Parsons Project and Steely Dan songs in my accent, because it will get the attention, I'm going to do like advertisements for the patriotic American fair that's in Bed Bath & Beyond. Get your freedom cushions. Get them here. I, get your USA cushions. I can't wait till both of us start our new careers, but I got to say, man, I'm a little bit disappointed. You know, we're doing this in your kitchen. I just looked over at your couch. I don't see any freedom cushions. Did you not buy them all immediately? What's that cushion got on it? You do have an American flag cushion. You are correct. I'm, get, I'm getting up now. He, he's going to the couch. He's grabbing. What else you got? Yep, another flag cushion. What does it say on it? It says USA. 
We got another, another fly. You have several fly. You, I've been corrected. You literally cannot buy any more flag cushions. You, if you, if you bought another flag cushions, they would get suspicious and you'd get deported. You can come in here with your pimpin ways, but don't you <laughs> accuse me of lying when it comes to my patriotic state. I even already have the cane. I have a pimp cane that has an eagle at the top of it. It was made to happen. I'm not disputing that, but how dare you dispute the fact I've just shown you four patriotic cushions, you this is I I stand corrected. See, I'm saying this is you've made me angry. I was just in my head. Uh, in my head, this was a nice little chit chat, and in the back of my mind, I'm going, I'm the eye in the sky. Da, da, da. I'm like yacht rock. It's like I'm floating away on a yacht while Alan Parsons' projects is playing. And now you brought this fucking what? Did you- I apologize, sir. I stand corrected. By the we way, as found a, as the perfect a, job. As a side note, have you ever seen the Family Guy episode? about Yacht Rock where Alan Parsons is playing himself. No. I watched it and I was literally it's it was in it was within the last couple of years of Family Guy and I thought to myself surely I'm the only person apart from Alan Parsons who's understanding the jokes in this. Like it was so like <laughs> this- yes, I understand that people are into Yacht Rock and so the idea of doing an episode about Yacht Rock, where people go on a Yacht Rock cruise is one thing. But you had Alan Parsons playing himself. I mean, I was like, wow. Seth, what's his name? McFarlane. Seth McFarlane. You are ticking so many of my boxes. In fact, Seth McFarlane, couldn't you have come in and saved Queen of the South for the final <laughs> season? If, if Netflix did a shows made for Camfield category, it would just be the oddest collection of television. But like that family, that one family guy episode, never say never again, the equalizer, every 80s reboot ever. No, I am. Um, uh, Golden Girls. <laughs> I will. Uh, I, I think Seth McFarlane and I actually have very similar tastes because if you watch Family Guy every so often, they They've got deep references to some really, really random episodes right. of shows that I like. Like there was once I just set a season pass on my old cable setup for um, George Peppard because he's the main star of the A Team, right? Okay. And and I got so imagine my excitement when I got home one day and in the George Peppard recordings list on my DVR. Family Guy was there and it was on there because in one scene for really no reason they did a cutaway to like a car going off a cliff in an episode of the A-Team Man, I'm telling and you, they Seth, had him voice it for that one part? No, he's been dead 20 years. They just, <laughs> he, he was, because, because he was in the scene. <laughs> I, uh... You think my... my the difference, You think my reference points around them, the difference is, is that Seth MacFarlane's managed to do it and make millions and have a very mainstream uh, TV show from it. We've got this when, podcast when, where we can't even get the mics working properly. When Family Guy first came out, like, I, I, you know, I was a little kid, I was a big fan, I was like, oh my god, this is the funniest show ever. And as I grew older, I I became less of a fan. And my main reason for why I stopped watching it was just like the true randomness of like how the episode would start on one topic and by the end of the episode it was just about a completely different thing and all throughout there was just these random references that half the time no one understood except for the writers of the show and of course you are the only person who's like yeah no that's the one thing I like about the show (laughs) I thought you were about to say and now I'm doing a podcast which is exactly what I just explained I don't like about family oh no (laughs) yeah Fucking you- Alan Parsons playing himself in, <laughs> in a Yacht Rock episode of, like, yeah. Anyway, um, where were we? Oh, we, we're going to do an update on Song of the Week. Uh, this is how it went down last week. New York producer, House Burned Down by King Princess, 4% of the vote. Witch You by uh, Duran Jones and The Indication, Jeremy's Choice, 4% of the vote. Tied for second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Churches with Robert Smith. My choice, 92% of the vote with uh, their song called How Not to Drown. We'll give you some new songs for Song of the Week in part two. And we have some other stuff to get to, um, including what should we do in part two? Um, The Queen's still wielding her power. Of course. We need to get to that. Stuff you're not supposed to have in your uh, apartment home office if you're over 30. And also, I've got a theory, talking of TV shows that hitmen no longer exist, except in TV and film. I've started to believe that actually 
they don't exist. If you want to hire a hitman, you can't do it. All the hitmen available are fake. We'll get to that in part two of Did You America. Hey, that's like a sell for part two. Oh, I want to listen already. I think we're getting good at this. It's like it's like a professional setup, isn't it? Before you know it, this podcast will have Alan Parsons playing himself. As you better a guest. hope we have good sound. <laughs> He's a producer. Alan Parsons produced Dark Side of the Moon, or did something for it for Pink Floyd. <laughs> if we got Alan Parsons playing himself to do yacht rock. A Yacht Rock special, we could ask him to fix our microphones. I really hope that, like, he didn't produce that album at all. Like, he had a tiny, like, engineering credit. I think you might be right. I think he was the engineer. But even so... So impressive. Even so, he would know what wide stereo meant and how to plug in a microphone to a MacBook. Sorry, New York producer, you've been replaced by Alan Parsons. New York producer doesn't know who the fuck Alan Parsons <laughs> is. I don't think New York producer knows what Dark Side of the Moon is. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> Okay, let's do part two of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Ian Canfield. Thanks for hanging out with the show. Don't forget, if you want to get old episodes, uh, you can find them at didyouamerica.com. That's also where you can uh, contact us. If you have any thoughts or opinions or stuff to say to us or about the show, and you can also buy our lovely Did You America t-shirts via the website, all right? didyouamerica.com, the place to go to for all of that. Hey, in the break... We, uh, we Googled Alan Parsons. A g- good guess, Jeremy. I got it. Didn't engineer. Pro- didn't produce Dark Side of the Moon. He was the engineer of Dark Side of the Moon. Yes. The assistant engineer at Abbey Road Studio. Mm-hmm. Later went on to do some form of directing for Year of the Cat by Al Stewart. Oh, my God. He's the Yacht Rock King. The no, Yacht Rock King, no, ladies and gentlemen. No wonder. See, perfect casting by Seth MacFarlane. No wonder Alan Parsons was running the Yacht Rock cruise in that episode of Family Guy because he made the best Yacht Rock in the world. Let's hope that Donald Fagan never listens to this because if he hears that we are calling someone other than Steely Dan the Yacht Rock King, he will never be our friends ever. Yes, but we do need Alan Parsons because if he was the if he was an Abbey Road engineer, he would be capable of plugging in our microphones properly, and we're not capable of that. So we do need Alan Parsons. Well, for use this. your connects, man. Let's get him on the team. I know he will be LA producer. I want right beneath his ap- appearance uh, in uh, Family Guy on his IMDb. We need uh, Did You America podcast as he's as he's next. I appearance. say we put it at the top. <laughs> All right, uh, new di- uh, songs of the week for you to choose from. Uh, three new ones which you can vote for at DidYouAmerica.com. I'll I'll have a poll on my Twitter at Ian Canfield this week. I am going with What You Say by Cold War Kids. I went with Sink by Benny the Butcher and Harry Fraud. And New York producers going with the new one by Lord, which is called Solar Power. All right, so they're your three choices. Solar Power by Lord, Sink by Benny the Butcher and Harry Fraud, or What You Say by Cold War Kids. Didyouamerica.com if you want to vote on the website, or I will uh, get a poll on my Twitter. If you want to talk to us via social media, I'm Ian Camfield on Twitter, or Camfield off the radio on Instagram. Um, Biden's been in the UK. I've never heard the, the 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 place name Cornwall so much in American media as I did this past weekend because that's where he was hanging out with uh, Bojo Boris I, Johnson. I actually meant to text you to be like, "There's places other than just London in England." I was very confused. <laughs> you say that. You joke about that. And oh, I know, I'm not joking. <laughs> no, I know that you are aware there are other places in London in the, the UK other than London. I went to a UPS store not so long ago. Um, to send some uh, uh, greetings cards to my family over in Shitsville, right? Now, they live in Essex, which is just outside of London. Huh? This was the reaction of the lady in the UPS store. So I, I, what I do is um, there's a, I, I buy, like, a load of cards all at once and then send one parcel to my sister's house, and it gets me about three months of birthdays, anniversaries, that <laughs> right, kind of, like, that kind of stuff. So I send it all in one go. So I'm sending this package via uh, UPS and I'm giving the woman the address. And so it's got to go to the UK. So she takes, you know, my sister's name, street line of the address and um, the next line. And then uh, she goes, right, London, right? I'm like, no, 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 no. It's in Essex. Looks at me strange. Put something else on the address. London, right? (laughs) No, 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 no. It's, it's, It's Essex. 
But it's in London. I said, no, it's in Essex. That's E-S-S-E-X. And she goes, but you said you're sending it to the UK. I said, I am. So that's London, right? Like literally. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh God, you work for the postal service? <laughs> well, the United States Postal Service. <laughs> and literally, it had, if, if, if she literally believed that the only part of the whole of the United Kingdom was London. I think, I think a lot of our listeners are probably still confused. What's your sister's address? <laughs> London, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, they went to Cornwall. I don't know. Actually, I did read a reason, a, a speculate, bit of speculation as to why they went to Cornwall. I mean, it's a, it's by the sea. People go there on vacation, so I guess it's kind of nice. And you know, they've been having some decent weather in Shitsville this week, so maybe Biden enjoyed it. But I did hear that they went to this particular location because it was a hotel that Boris Johnson used to go on vacation at when he was a kid. So he was like, oh, "I'll take Biden there. I'll show them the spy." Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. Apparently, that was it. So there's been a lot of attention on uh, Biden hanging out, and uh, he went to meet the Queen and uh, the queen you know she has two birthdays wait what yeah 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 she's got a, I don't know why uh, like a half birthday and a birthday apparently if you're the queen of England you get a birthday which is your birthday and then you get a second birthday just for being the queen I don't know so what. it's like today is Trump's birthday but then there's also President's Day no, it's just, it's strictly she has two birthdays. You might be right on that because the queen is ninety five. I don't remember a time when she wasn't the queen of England. Well, she's she's actually a hundred and ninety. <laughs> How's that for some quick math? So yeah, she has these two birthdays anyway. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, posing this week because she was hanging out with uh, with Biden. And um, they were taking photos as world leaders do when they hang out with royalty. The thing, the reason why why we are doing this story is because I've said on this podcast many many times before. I think the Queen still wields a lot of power, and if you want to know who's really running the world, I'm not saying it's just her, but I think there's this upper level of people with a lot of money and a lot of power, and she's kind of in the mix. And she did a bunch of things as a 95 year old woman this weekend that I think were just her symbolically going, yeah, don't. Uh don't think you can do anything without my say-so. So there was a little bit, the, the tabloid press were going, oh, apparently she had a photo opportunity with Biden and he wasn't smiling enough. And she turned to him and went, aren't you supposed to look like you're enjoying yourself? <laughs> you know, she was sitting back look, the whole time looking at Biden, just thinking, you know, I'd fuck this one, right? <laughs> well, she, she, she didn't really, mind this. She, she was like, get rid of that smile. You look better that way, sweetie. She is. That's re- if the queen was an old Jewish lady. She is recently single. Right. She, she's like, ah, what's up, Jojo? She like, she's like, why aren't you going to run your hands through my hair? Yeah. I've seen all the videos of you doing it. When do your hands get put on my back? Come here and smell granny, young blood. She calls people young blood. She's from the hood. I think that she might have uh, actually been flirting a little bit because uh, there was uh, now you know people say that you know sometimes mentally Biden's not on his A game, but right. I don't I don't believe that he's so old and kind of not with it anymore that Biden wouldn't understand that you're not supposed to say to the Queen of England you remind me of my mum, bearing in mind that he's seventy eight, but. If she's on her A-game flirting, that might have been his way of like, oh my God, my wife's here. The queen's so fucking horny. I'm just going (laughs) to say to the queen, you remind me of my mum because that's like a nice way of saying, no, I'm not going to put my hands on your back like I did with all those other people that got me into trouble on Fox News. Imagine that sex tape. In like 20 (laughs) years, we don't have the Hulu documentary for Tommy Lee and Pam. (laughs) We have Jojo and Elizabeth. Jojo and Lizzie. So um, so there was that. She was clearly trying to shag uh, President Biden. Yeah, but she was also trying to show she was a badass the whole time. Did you see that sword? Well, this is the other thing that I was about to say. Just to reinforce the fact that she doesn't want to come across as uh, a decrepit 95-year-old lady. It was her birthday, one of her two birthdays. And so uh, they get out a cake and uh, someone went to uh, get her a knife to cut the cake. And apparently she specifically said... Bring me my sword. (laughs) My cake sword, please. And, uh, well, we don't know that sword's just used for cake cutting. Oh, I see see where you're going. Apparently someone in the room, who included Camilla, said that uh, there was a knife. And the queen said, I know. 
bring me the sword. And, I, and Camilla, you know Camilla was right there going, Jesus fucking Christ, the first wife got the tunnel. Am I getting the sword? You know right after she cut that cake, she stared Camilla down and just like licked the end of the sword. That's what I mean. She was like, all right, don't make me Diana you. <laughs> I love the uh, the image that we've created of the queen. You know, the rest of the world sees her as this old sweet lady, and we see her for what she really is. You uh, you remember the uh, the Seth Rogen movie about Kim Jong Un, the mm. interview, and like they created this image of him where like he was a little bit uh, sassy and a little bit girly. He loved Katy Perry and drinking fruity drinks. I feel we need to make a movie where. Queen Elizabeth is just shown as like a broy badass that she is. Like, you know, she's sitting back, hitting on presidents. She's in her room, just like dojoing it out with a sword. <laughs> she's broing down with her buds, drinking beers. Well, you know, there is, a, I, th I think that her posing with the sword at 95 is literally her just showing that she's got power. She was in that room, she's got the sword and she's going, just remember, we still have the Tower of London. I've still got the tunnel as well. It's been 20 years since we used that for Diana, so it's probably going to come around to be used again at some point. And then she turned to Biden with the sword in hand and went, now there is that problem of Ghislaine Maxwell and the dirt that she's got, especially on uh, Prince Andrew. Would you like to discuss what your country is going to do about Ghislaine Maxwell before or after we fuck? Oh, I just can't wait. You know, I'm not a big nerd, but this is for the nerd fans out there. You know, and I don't even know which Star Wars it is, but there's one where all of a sudden, like, old Yoda comes out and just starts, like, whipping ass with a lightsaber. I think that is going to be the end of this story. We're going to get Jizz Lane face-to-face -face with the queen, and she's going to be like, you're so old. I shall destroy you, and I shall be queen. And Queen Lizzie will be like, oh, see, I'm going to come out and stab you, sweetie. And she'll be wheel flip out that sword, do a backflip, and just chop Jizz Lane's head off. See, if I'm creating great movies for you us really today. You really are. This should have been the episode of Family Guy after the one with Alan Parsons. Seth MacFarlane, <laughs> call me, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, I do think it was the, the Queen basically going, yeah, don't, don't forget, I, uh, I, I still got the power. Because there, I'm, as I said on this podcast many times before, I'm no fan of the royal family. I think that it's kind of ridiculous. And also, although the Queen... Uh, keeps herself in order. There's too many people beneath the Queen in the royal family that have screwed up so many times. Prince Andrew with the whole uh, Jeffrey Epstein stuff is one of the main um, people of note. But those people that are really against the royal family and have been against the royal family will point out these uh, really historic uh, laws in the UK that in theory do give the Queen a lot of power. There are these laws that say the Prime Minister of the UK, whoever it is at the time, can only do certain things without the Queen say so or the Queen could intervene. And you never really hear that she does do that kind of stuff. But these, so the, the people that are pro the royal family go, yeah, 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 but they're just old laws from like 500 years ago that would never actually come into force. Right. But then you see the 95-year-old bitch with the fucking sword and you're like, mm. Not only that, I guarantee ceremonial stuff like that is never light. I guarantee you that sword is heavy. She's letting people know like, yo, I'm still getting these bicep curls. Right. Watch out. Right, right. She's like, Henry VIII sent his wife and wives and had other people chop their heads off. I could still do it myself with this particular <laughs> sword is what she's saying. Yeah, she doesn't that. need no guillotine. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, now, talking of uh, people that die or don't die, there's a story today about a woman in Pennsylvania who tried to hire a hitman and ask for a payment plan, which obviously is, is, is ridiculous. The, the, apparently the going rate uh, in Pennsylvania, if you want someone to murder your husband, which is what she was after, was four grand. And uh, she asked for a payment plan of $100 uh, a week uh, over 40 weeks. <laughs> <And> that was. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're going to try to kill someone, you should have all the cash, you know? Right, I mean, $100 a week over 40 weeks, if, it's, if, the, if the asking price is four grand, that doesn't even include interest, you stupid bitch. Like, I feel like you have bigger problems if you can't afford to just fork over $4,000. Hiring hits is a rich man's game. Right, right. Well, also, this is my point about this. I'm now at the point of believing that actually hitmen don't exist and possibly never existed and are just something that only uh, happens in works of fiction in TV or film. Because how often... 
do you read a story about someone like this silly woman in Pennsylvania that gets arrested for trying to hire a hitman and the hitman turns out to be an undercover cop? It's the same as the guy, the lead singer from As I Lay Dying. You know, he tried to hire a hitman to kill his wife, right? I was going to say, I feel like we've done a story just like this. Well, there's a we did that story because he was someone somewhat of note in the metal world, but there's probably like 10 stories we could have done since this podcast started about just general members of the public who think they're hiring hitmen, but they always end up hiring cops. So obviously we know cops masquerade online as hitmen, and then people get caught trying to hire hitmen in a lot of cases to, to kill their spouse. But when was the last time you read a story about an actual hitman getting caught and going to jail. I don't remember that happening. It was either in the movie Hitman or the video game that that movie was based off of Hitman. Right. So my point being, I don't think Hitman actually exist. I think that, that like they're just... Well, I'll, I'll say this for the Hitman community. You know, I, as we discussed in part one, I'm looking into a illegal career of pimping as we speak. And I learned from my first experience that as we discussed... Cash only, you know, you can't go on cards, you can't have a paper trail. So maybe hitmen are so good at what they do and so stealth and underneath the uh, radar, the radar that's the word they uh, that you're not even noticing them. And this lady, this lady was trying to blow some smoke up their game and was trying to say, like, hey, like, uh, payment plan that's a paper trail, yeah. I just find it very, uh, the, uh, it seems like at least once a month I read a story about a person who gets arrested for hiring an undercover cop posing as a hitman. I don't remember the last time I read a story about a hitman actually getting caught. And so I think... It's always like back in like the 40s and 50s when like the mob was an actual thing and be like, oh, his top guy who would kill all the people for the boss. That's the only time you'd ever hear about right, that. Right, exactly. Now... And the, even then, that's more in movies than anything. Exactly. The modern day version of it now is that singer from As I Lay Dying who tried to hire a hitman to kill his wife, went to jail for it, got out of jail, apologized, and was allowed back in the band because <laughs> he put out a statement going... Oh my God, the thing was, I got so into working out and I was taking steroids and they just messed with my mind. I mean, if I'm like, hang on a minute. If you take too many steroids, they give you tits. You get man <laughs> boobs if you take too many steroids. At what point does it go from, oh my God, I've got man boobs to it's messing with my mind so much, I decided I hate my wife and I want to hire a hitman and I'm going to hire a hitman to try and kill her. Do, and they, he, do they put that on the back of the bottle? Like when you buy the steroids, does it say like may cause you to want to kill your wife? No, but I think it's well known that sometimes they call t they cause tits. They, I mean, that's definitely on the back of the bottle. I'm saying they need to add this other caveat. No, but that was his claim that that was the that that. Well, was yeah, if it's real, then throw it on there. But I'm defending him. Well, I don't think you need to because apparently all was forgiven. He's back in the band. And uh, he's found God again because they were always very Christian and now everything's fine. Oh, you can murder someone, you find God. No one got murdered because, oh. because hitmen don't exist. <laughs> if hitmen actually existed, he might have found well, a genuine one and his wife might not be with us anymore. When we did that story, I told you about how I knew a kid in college whose dad went to jail because he was the number two dentist in Arizona. That's so right. he hired a hit on the number one dentist in Arizona. So I, I kind of see your Was point. that a fake... That's what I'm saying. Maybe maybe that was too. Maybe he actually didn't hire him in. I never got that far in the story. I just went immediately to make fun of the kid. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a new thing that we've learned during today's podcast. I don't think that hitmen exist. Let's just hope that pimps actually exist. Um, in other stories, before we uh, finish up uh, today's podcast, according to uh, Courtney Love, Dave Grohl's run off with all of the Nirvana royalties and Trent Reznor is guilty of systemic abuse. Although having said this, after putting all of these allegations online, um, she then deleted all of the posts. So I'm thinking that she may have been slightly out of her mind when she made these allegations on Instagram. Um, and this is certainly a, maybe a case in point where Instagram should maybe start investigating the possibility of limiting uh, the amount of characters that you can post in one post like, uh, like Twitter do, because Courtney might have got herself in slightly less trouble if that was the case. I, uh, I have a weird, I probably have a much different opinion 
No, you know what? I think we have the same opinion of Courtney Love, but I think they come from de- very different areas. So you know, you obviously knew her from when she was coming up through the grunge movement. And, you know, she was the singer of Hole, was it right? Yes, Hole. And then you know she went into acting for a little bit, and she date you know was married to Kurt Cobain, all that. But for me, you know, that era was. Did she did she hire a hitman to kill him? Was that the last that genuine might, hitman I think that existed? A conspiracy. <laughs> I, uh, well, she she says in in her Instagram post. That that's another issue. So apparently we're feeding that now too. But she, uh, you know, you so you probably saw her as this person who seemed normal but a little zany and like progressed into like this really like issues ridden person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know who Courtney Love was because I was so young in that era that my first introduction of her was at the Comedy Central roast of Pamela Anderson. <laughs> and if you remember that roast, I mean, like, so much was going on, but the star of that roast was Courtney Love's drunken behavior. That might have been the first cooter shot I ever saw. Like, even in Comedy <laughs> Central, it was like, we don't know how to edit this. It's in every shot. So she's posted, or she did post, this very, very uh, long message on her Instagram talking about male privilege and its... Uh, and. Uh, vile toxicity in the entertainment industry she's had enough of uh she used the poo emoji from these clowns leaning into my being scapegoated for breathing for my husband's death and for my overt sexuality because i'm an addict i'm a woman etc etc she goes into great detail Basically saying that she reckons that she signed off a load of rights to Nirvana's catalog to Dave Grohl, insinuating that he's earning more money from the Nirvana back catalog than she is. Um, But she put, I was so exhausted by him being Grohl, I just fucking signed it. But it's a lie, so now I'm unsigning it. I don't know if you can unsign (laughs) it by putting it on, putting this on Instagram, Courtney. I also like how she like she points out in the message like this is the nicest guy in rock and roll, and she tries to be like, no, he's not. But like clearly he is. Well, she's got a problem with that. Uh, She said that uh, 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 there's been chaos and fury over Kurt's death being directed at me, deflected by Dave role that is while he enriched and continues to enrich himself gorging on kurt's fortune and kurt's goodwill um so she has a problem with dave Grohl being known as the uh, the nicest man in rock then she goes on to trent reznor it gets even Ooh, worse yeah, it gets scary there accusing him of abusing children as for reznor he's talented but still a creep and then accuses trent reznor of systemic abuse of kids in his case girls as young of t- as young as 12 claiming that it was witnessed by members of hull now Neither Dave Grohl or Trent Reznor have responded to this. And since she put um, this very, very long message on Instagram, which includes the hashtag fuck off Reznor. Um, <laughs> it's trending worldwide. She, she she then deleted it or someone very deleted, quickly. Someone someone deleted it for her. Now, I met Courtney Love once. She came into my show while I was still working in Shitsville. And we discussed many things about her uh, colored history. One of the things was, I, I, I said to her, is it true that you were the... F- now, of course, this is actually now a very in vogue thing for this to happen, but back in the day, this, this didn't happen. I said, were you the first famous person to be banned from Twitter, right? Yeah. And her response was, and I, this is genuinely her response, no, that's a lie. I was never banned from Twitter. My daughter said I should have been. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very confusable. (laughs) I'm like, that's better? Right. Well, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of why I brought up like where I got my opinion from her because, you know, she, when she does these crazy things, she's been known since social media was a thing to every once in a while kind of have an outburst like this. It's, and these are very, very serious allegations that right. she's saying, especially in the case of Reznor. But because of how do you I've think, seen do you, her... Do you think she sort of went, oh, everyone's heard me deny that I killed Kurt. I'm going to throw <laughs> right. out that Trent Reznor's I got a child do one abuser. For you. To get, yeah. Have the members of Hull commented? I mean, she kind of threw them under the bus too, like speak <laughs> up. But I think it's just really hard for not only me, but I'm sure a lot of people in my generation to like take these allegations extremely seriously knowing that she's prone to these 
outbursts that have been proven full of lies in previous outbursts. So as much as, you know, obviously let's wait and see if they're real, it's bad. And, you know, she did a great thing. Like, it's just really hard for me to not see the girl at the Pamela Anderson roast being worse than Pamela Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Well, when she came in and she did that interview, and, and again, it's kind of like uh, how Courtney sees herself in her own world. So she is desperate to point out that she was not the first famous person to be banned from Twitter. That is fake news. But her own daughter did say that she should be banned from Twitter. Then, as part of the defense of how hard done by she is she went into this rant during the interview and she went do you know do you know how many times i've been sued in the last year and i went no i've got no idea courtney and she went 56 <laughs> and i said courtney that's more than one lawsuit a week she's like i know <laughs> and also i'm sure like now I can't talk because as we discussed at the beginning of every episode, I'm not the best counter. I just I kind of think that she probably can't count to 56. I think it's probably <laughs> was more like 25. I'm sure all 25 of those were like, yeah, no, you you should probably get sued for this. I will say this though. I, I th this was the thing that I got from her. She clearly is um, eccentric, and I don't know. I don't think she was drunk when she was. Well. Maybe she's one of these people that's always in a sort of permanent state of somewhat drunk. It's just kind of like how drunk she gets. Right, like, like even her, Keith Richards is always kind of like heroin out. Yeah, that kind of like, you know, elegantly wasted kind of thing. Right. Like when she was as drunk as she was when I saw her, she just thinks that she's been sued 56 times in one year and is vaguely aware that her own daughter said, you really should uh, switch off the Twitter account. Mm -hmm. But when she gets really drunk, she's like, fucking Nine Inch Nails, child abusers. <laughs> Next thing you know, Roseanne's going to be like, Courtney Love was the one controlling my Twitter the whole time. <laughs> Wow, Courtney Love and Roseanne in the same room. What a tandem. Oh, that's real reality show heaven. Get the Kardashians are gone. That's the new first family of E, if you ask me. Yeah, we need the new surreal life with just the two of them. Oh, just throw them in a room. It could be in Israel. I think that's where Roseanne said she was going. So <laughs> Right. But I will say this about Courtney Love. As I said, kind of crazy. but Kind of. Well, no, no, no. There's been lots of things that she's done that makes her seem like she's batshit crazy but in my experience of meeting her that one time i really got the impression that she was a little bit cra more crazy than the average person but self-aware in that she knew that she was a little bit crazy and she also knew what people expect from courtney love so in an interview scenario she knew how to turn it on and deliver like she she fires her managers like every week because she's just too much to deal with. Right. The, the reason I got this interview with her was because a buddy of mine who's been a music, he's been in music management for like decades. He was the latest Courtney Love manager. Like he was the manager for that month or whatever <laughs> it was. And uh, we used to do like weekly updates on like what was going on in Courtney Love's world because she was just so newsworthy. So she'd been told that she, although this was the first time she'd actually physically been on the show, she was a segment on the show and that we were basically doing how batshit crazy is Courtney this week. Right. She knew that information. She came into my studio, said that she was like, oh, I heard you do it. Because we had like little jingles and stuff. For, 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 <laughs> really for, played for up it. it. Played it up. And, pl and played on it. And then um, later on that evening, she played a venue called the Shepherd's Bush Empire, and I was expecting it to just be a car crash. It was the only time I'd ever seen her live. And it was a bit of a ramshackled rock and roll show, but it was actually pretty good to the point I turned to a manager for that particular evening and I went... I'm almost disappointed. <laughs> like, I want, like I wanted it to be shambolic, but she's actually doing a pretty good job of, of like rocking out. So my point being... You know, she can be the front woman and rock out with the best of them and put on like decent rock and roll show and turn up and give good Courtney without it being, oh my God, we probably need to like lock her away and sedate her for a minute. Clearly you're forgetting the part of the night where you turn to your friend, you're like, oh, Courtney, well, I was actually singing pretty good. And he said, Ian, you're drunk. This is a train wreck. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it was pretty good. And also, also, this this has just come back to me. I remember going to the venue with Courtney Love because I was uh, went with, uh, with the manager of the day. And um, 
the Shepherd's Bush Empire is a really old venue, kind of like a, they have lots of gigs there, but it's like an old theatre type venue in right. London. And when we walked in, she said, look at the amount of wood that's in this venue, like just the general structure. And I said, yeah. And she goes, I mean, imagine if this caught fire, anyone who's upstairs up there, They'd never make it out. And I went, fuck me, Courtney Love is suddenly concerned about health and safety. Like, what's this? See what I mean? Like, there, there's like, there's, it's like a different type of person. She and actually I, has a second career making sure that buildings are up to code. I said, well, maybe don't smoke so much during tonight's performance then. Right? <laughs> right. That, might, that, might be, that might be something worth that worth. It's probably the, the trick there. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I wonder with Courtney Love, you know, clearly there's been lots of evidence of absolute craziness. Um, Dave Grohl, I think, has had an issue with her for a very long time. Trent Reznor probably isn't happy about being accused of being a child abuser. Yeah, if he didn't have an issue then, he definitely has one now. (laughs) He's like, oh my God, I just was doing a really good job of removing myself from Marilyn Manson's history. Like I was trying to make everyone forget that we work together and now this bitch is saying this. Now he's like, Manson, good news, we can work together again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I'm just saying that Courtney Love is, uh, uh, she's more aware and maybe not quite as crazy as, uh, as can be. And also... The source of quite uh, quite a lot of uh, of entertainment. So if this is the start, Courtney, it's um, I'm glad to have you back. Welcome but remember, back. they are banning a lot of people from Twitter these days. So maybe like pull back <laughs> a bit. Maybe she's off Twitter. Maybe that's why this oh, was posted her, yep, on Instagram. Yeah, her Twitter's gone. <laughs> All right, we're done for another uh, episode. Thanks for hanging out with this one. Um, if you want to talk to us, digiamerica.com. If you want to vote for Song of the Week, you can do on the website or I'll get a poll posted on my Twitter. I'm uh, Ian Camfield on Twitter. You can also talk to me on Instagram, Camfield off the radio. Uh, Instagram, where I won't be posting uh, 10 paragraphs outing musicians as pedophiles. Why not? Because Courtney's got that corner of the market. Oh, okay, so that's that, her put thing. That market cornered, yeah. Uh, Camfield off the radio on Instagram, Ian Camfield on Twitter, or digyouamerica.com if you want to listen to old episodes or communicate with the show. Or you could buy one of our Did You America t shirts via the digyouamerica.com website. How great are the t shirts, Jeremy? Oh, it feels so good on your nipples. Did we America today? We definitely did. <laughs>